0: All right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And welcome back to another episode of IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Don Pizzette, here today with a very special hurricane episode. And in the studio to join me is Mr. Daniel Lowry. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Not a problem.
1: Always uh, enjoy coming on the podcast with you, talking about interesting things. Uh, definitely got an interesting
0: topic for us today, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So um, it. It's all over the news. You know, it's kind of unavoidable. But uh, this is the time of year that we get hurricanes. It's hurricane What's season. A hurricane? And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as a company based in Florida, we're, we're used to it, right? right? We deal with this. And uh, it, it's funny to us. It shouldn't be funny because it, yeah. it can be tragic. But um, the, the funny part is how all the other states react, right? So right. All, all across the U.S., people really get in a panic over hurricanes. But as long as you're prepared... They're really not that big of a deal that if you take the proper preparations, you will be just fine. And as an IT worker, there are preparations you should be taking inside your company to make sure that the company is going to be just fine during a disaster as well. And and we're focused on hurricanes because, well, as you can see behind us here, we're, we're actually <laughs> we're located right here. So uh,
1: <laughs> you'll on. notice that that's kind of right inside <laughs> the wheelhouse of where this hurricane is is kind of
0: heading. <laughs> yep. So uh, so that, that's what we're thinking about. But, you know, you might have earthquakes or mm-hmm. tsunamis, volcanoes. blizzards, volcanoes. Yeah. yeah, they still exist. And all of that is stuff that you have to plan for just as well. And in a typical company, in a, a large organization, a company that's well-planned and well-prepared, you're going to have two things, right? You're going to have a, a BRP and a BCP, a business resumption plan and a business continuity plan. And those two plans are going to tell you exactly what to do when a disaster happens. So no panic, no freaking out, no right. no going crazy and worrying. You've got this plan. But let, let's pretend for a moment that you went to work for a company. Picture yourself in Sicily, and, uh, 1922. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you go to work for a company, and and they don't have a BRP. They don't have a BCP. That This stuff isn't documented. And you've got a disaster coming. Yeah, you got a real problem. right? And if you're in a smaller company, that that could very well be the case. You, maybe you've just uh, got
1: going, right? You've only been in business for six months, a year, two years even, and you've just never gotten around because your company hasn't grown to that size where it was forefront of your mind. But now a storm is coming, and all of a sudden, maybe I need to think about these things a little sooner than I thought I would have to. So that's kind of where we're heading today. You've got very little time, but you need to do something to make sure that your data and your business is secured.
0: All right, so let, let's think about what these what these things do, right? right? So um, a business resumption plan and a business continuity plan. A, a lot of them uh, you'll hear, similar. You'll hear yeah. people get them confused. They'll, they'll use them interchangeably, which they're not. They're, they're different, right? So uh, a business continuity plan is how you can continue to do business even during the natural disaster. So you know when it's something like an earthquake. Earthquakes usually don't last very long, right? They're very short. So Continuing business during the earthquake is not something you really have to plan for. But a hurricane, it, it may hang out for a few days. They move pretty slow. So the odds are we're going to be affected by weather for multiple days, right. right? So we need a way to continue doing business during the disaster. And we might not be able to continue business at 100% of our normal capacity, right? Maybe it's 30% of our normal capacity, but at least we continue to do business. We didn't just have to shut the doors and, right. and that was With that. have continuity.
1: It continues to, to go.
0: Yep. And that that is a a big part of it. Business resumption, on the other hand, the BRP, that's how do you get back to 100%. And BCP is really urgent. BRP usually isn't. You can take a little more time. It might take days, weeks. It might even take years for you to get all the way back to 100%. But as long as you're able to continue doing business while you're not at 100%, you'll be fine. So these two plans are really what covers that. And if you've got them, they're your safety net. They're the ones that have all the information you need to be able to get in there and, and, and function and be okay. So what if you don't have those, if they're missing? Now is when the panic can set in, and you can make mistakes. You can overlook things. So we're going to talk about some of the different things we can do here just to you know, just say, screw it, i got three days. What can I get
1: done and, and protect my company? Well, Don, I, th- I start thinking immediately of, the the personnel right we got to make sure that everyone's safe that's that's top priority human life is mo- infinitely more valuable than any data that you have on any server so let's let's make sure that those people are safe right right
0: yeah absolutely you know if you lose a server if you lose a building you can buy another building yep. right but, but human life is the most important so you need to have a, a plan for the human beings and that plan it can be a little bit tricky because uh, if the weather is really bad and we'll we'll use this hurricane as an example. Our building, this studio, is actually, practically a bunker. Um, When this building was originally built, it was a a local cell phone carrier. Uh, This was their CO, their central office. And so it was built as a tier one emergency service and just, I mean, really built like a bunker. This building would be really safe to be in during a hurricane. So for our employees, it might not be a bad idea to have them come here, even bring their families if they want (laughs) to, if you've got the facilities for that. But most of them will choose to stay home, right? Stay home unless an evacuation order is put in, in which right. case you gotta leave, right? But what about after the disaster? I remember, uh, Daniel and I, we used to work for an insurance company together many years ago, uh, and I lived on the other side of town, yep. and a hurricane blew through, and I physically could not drive to work. There were trees blocking every single road between me and the company. Yeah. And so I had to either be able to work remotely, or not work at all. And in my case because I had no power at the house, it was not work at all. You know it, that was basically how it was. At a time when my company really needed me, I, I wasn't able to, to be there for that because of of the the blocked roads. So, you've got to have a plan in place for that. Your critical employees, if it's safe, should be at the building already. Mm-hmm. And and that way the you know in And you probably remember, Daniel, like a lot of the the executives and stuff had couches in their offices. Yes. And and the whole reason they had a couch was that they could sleep there (laughs) if they needed
1: it. It's funny, you know, uh, after you left, we actually, we didn't have a natural disaster, but we had a disaster with our backups. And we were sleeping in our offices, staying there doing shifts 24-7 until that got back up and running. So it might be a good idea, especially if you know that it's coming. Like Don said, he couldn't get across town to get there when they needed him most. Maybe oh you know what there's a hurricane coming maybe you want to go ahead and come here and prepare to be here during that time if as long as there's no evacuation order that kind of thing right
0: so that you can work and be effective yep and then the other thing is you don't want your employees feeling they've got to come into work when the roads may still be dangerous right uh, you know with an earthquake there's aftershocks with a hurricane the storm usually lasts for a few days so you want to make sure that people are safe that the families are safe so come up with that plan first right let your employees know hey you know what. The storm's going to be hitting Monday, so if it's really bad, uh, you know we, we haven't made a decision on this yet. We'll make yeah. a decision on Friday. So it's it's Wednesday. Uh, the, the storm isn't supposed to hit here until Monday, Monday. so we've got yeah. several days to plan. So on Friday, we can tell our employees, hey, you know what? Let's all just take Monday off. Stay home. You know, Keep your family safe. Or maybe by that point, the storm has changed direction, and it's yeah. not a, a problem at all, right? We don't want to make decisions too early and, and then affect the company. So that's a, a part of it. We get that advantage with a hurricane. You don't get that advantage with... Uh, With an earthquake, or uh, I guess a volcano. You know, (laughs) it it would probably, you could probably even come up with a few different
1: contingencies based off of variables. Obviously, maybe the hurricane makes a wide sweep one way or the other and it's going to miss us completely. So we have a contingency. Oh, instead of taking off Monday, we'll be at work on Monday or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just going to be based off of uh,
0: a set of variables that you might, that you could foresee. Yeah. Uh, One thing that you need to prioritize is put together a phone list. You need to have cell phone numbers, home phone numbers for employees. A lot of times we have their work numbers, their extensions at the office. That's not going to help in a disaster. You need to be able to reach your employees for two reasons. You know, One, so you can communicate to them. Don't come into the office. Or, hey, I need you to you know, get here. We, yeah. we need to be able to communicate. But two is you can find out if they're safe. You yeah. know, you need to check in on your, your employees, your coworkers, their health. So make sure that you've got that, uh, that phone list. Right. Definitely, if you've got a couple of days, it doesn't take much effort to put together a phone list. You don't even need an IT person. You can just get any employee and make the, their job Get me a a current phone list of of all the employees. All right. So so that's that's the human element, right? We need to plan for that. Now let's talk about the data element. If you're entirely in the cloud, then this is the time you reap the most (laughs) benefit, right? And that's how we are here at TV. All of our servers, if you're watching this podcast right now, it is not coming from our studio. It's being streamed through servers that are part of either Amazon CloudFront or Akamai or somebody like that. Uh, This whole building could be destroyed, and you'd still be able to access our site and watch our shows. It's great right, Mm -hmm. to have that, but not every company is fully in the cloud. So if you've got on-premises data, uh, databases, servers, any kind of customer data, you need to start planning for how you're going to keep that data safe. If a a hurricane destroys your building, how do we keep that safe? And there's tons of plans, I could tell you, but if you only have three days— yeah. What can we realistically get done in three days without having to do vendor bid analysis and, <laughs> and, you know, equipment purchases and ordering and signing up with a contract for Iron Mountain or somebody to take off-site backups? What can we actually achieve in three days? And on this one, there's actually quite a, a few options. Yeah, right? we have uh, easy stuff, right? Maybe your business isn't very large.
1: You've got just a, a bit of data, maybe just a few terabytes or something. You can go with something like Dropbox. Just make a backup. Put it into Dropbox. That way it's up in the cloud. If your servers are destroyed, not a problem. Dropbox has a copy. And then when you get back into business, you can just bring it on down. And there it is. You don't have to worry about it. They they put those things in areas. If they know that a, a hurricane is going to maybe come blow away their data center, guess what? They move all that data away to another data center. And you don't have to worry about it. That, that's the whole, like, that's the best part of cloud services is they're doing all that stuff for you. You don't have to do it.
0: Yeah, and you know, let me let me throw out a, a word of caution though. Like services like Dropbox and CrashPlan right. that offer uh, you know, unlimited backups or huge amounts of storage, like that, um, they all suffer from from one problem, which is they rarely have their own storage. They're usually using like Amazon S three, and to keep their cost low, they throttle bandwidth. So um, Dropbox, for example, if you have a large data set. It can take a long time to get your data into Dropbox. Uh, For example, we we actually did back up a a storage appliance here over the Christmas holidays. Um, We had about 30 terabytes of data, and it took over a month to fully load into Dropbox. (laughs) I I know and we have a 200 megabit fiber connection here in the building, so it wasn't our bandwidth that was the problem. It's that it's being throttled on there, and they've got hundreds of thousands of customers, maybe millions of customers. So you're all vying for that bandwidth. And if you've got a large data set, some of those solutions, if you've only got three days, are just not gonna be enough. So be really careful with that. You might say, you know what, I've only got three days, let me sign up for CrashPlan, it's cheap, they're they're a great company, they have a great product, but three days is not enough to get your initial data set in there. They're definitely geared towards something that's a a much smaller
1: set of data. Uh, You're you're a new company, a small company, not a ton of, of data going on here. If you do have that level of, of data that you need to move, you're definitely going to go with something more enterprise level, right? Yeah,
0: and those, you know, even even at the enterprise level, though, those guys, they assume that you've got plenty of time to send your initial data set up. Mm. And then after that, you're just sending up changes. So your backups are, are really, really fast. But that first backup takes a long time. So if this is your first one, plan for that. And that's where other services, like using Amazon S3, they actually give you a lot more bandwidth for doing that upload. You can get data into there a lot more quickly. Uh, be really careful, though, because it seems like every week there's a news release about a <laughs> misconfigured S3 bucket leaking That's company awesome. data, so <laughs> be careful there. Um, but another one that I, I'd like to recommend, and most of you know me as a, a Linux guy. I, I, I like Linux, but uh, uh, Microsoft <laughs> Azure actually has a lot of great technologies in it, and they deploy more Linux VMs these days than Windows. So, uh, Which is so ironic. can't yeah, <laughs> see But uh, they have a cool product. Let me bring this up here. And uh, it's called Azure Site Recovery. And what you can do is you install this little agent on your machines, and they support Windows and Linux, and this agent will back up your systems. It'll back it up into Azure, so I can deploy there, and and they they have great speeds for this. When you upload it, it goes really fast. The neat part is, when there's a failure, you can reach out to them and restore your data, or you can say, you know what? Take my backup and just turn it into a virtual machine in Azure, and you can basically move your entire environment into the cloud. So maybe you back up to them, the disaster happens, but all your servers are fine. And so when you're done, you just go and delete all the backups and that's it. it's over, right? Or maybe you back up all your data to them and then the disaster hits and your building is destroyed. You lose everything. Well, how long is it going to take you to buy a new building? How long is it going to take to order new servers and have them delivered, right? That whole process, that takes time. Well, with Azure Site Recovery, you go and you click a few buttons and you say, you know what, just power these up as VMs. Yeah. And now your data center is in the cloud and, and you, you've got this whole kind of recovery mechanism. And, you know, I, I used to joke about this because I, I, I used to teach a, a lot of courses on migrating data to the cloud. And I always said there were three different ways to migrate data. Uh, there was to go to go all in and just yeah. say, that's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to shut my local servers down. Everything's going to be in the cloud. Or you could do a hybrid cloud where you start moving the servers one by one. And so you got some things in the cloud, some things local, and you kind of wade into it, right? But my favorite one was was what I called migration by accident. And, and that's what Azure Site Recovery is, is that you might back up all your stuff into Azure. And then when the disaster happened, you say, you know what, just spin it up there. And, and then when it's all done, you're like, oh, kind of like having Everything it. In the cloud. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just migrated to the cloud by accident. Especially uh, a nice my. insurance check for yeah. <laughs> all those servers you had. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really thought about yeah. that. A, yeah. That's the silver lining. Yeah, uh, that's the right. disaster. Right. So, um, so, key thing here back up your data off site. Mm. Okay? And cloud services make that easy if your data set is not so large. The larger your data set is, the harder it's going to be to be able to back that up in the time frame you've got. So if you've got limited time, be aware of that. And when you start that backup, monitor it because you need to have a good idea. Is this going to be done by Monday? Right. You know, in, in our case, anything that we started today would have to be done by Monday. And our data set is way too large for that. So, but yeah. but we plan for that early on. It's, yes. it's already taken care of, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, so definitely do that. Speaking of off-site backups, yes. we could just say, you know what? I'll, I'll do it myself. Uh, hard drives are cheap. true. Uh, or maybe magnetic tape, if you yeah. still have that. Hopefully not, but uh, <laughs> but if you do, <laughs> LTO six device on eBay, maybe yeah. <laughs> you get to you in a day or two. <laughs> so you do your own backup, and then you take the backup with you. Okay. Well, now we've got to worry about two things. You know, one is the security of the data. Right. Right. You all your company's data is right there in your possession. If it gets stolen or lost, that. Your company is now treated as having a breach, even though it wasn't a hacker, but your data has been leaked. Uh, so that, that would be a problem. The other thing is, where are you going to take it, right? If right. I just live down the street from the office, I'm not really achieving not anything. Not really
1: taking it away from the disaster zone, right? You do you do want to get some decent distance between you and where the disaster might be happening. Otherwise, it's six and one half a dozen of the other, right? You you've You've effectively just worked yourself into doing nothing.
0: Yeah. And yeah, really. <laughs> you know, it, my home, for example, is not that far from the office. And so for something like a hurricane or even a, an earthquake, which we don't have in Florida, yeah. <laughs> um, those I, having it at home, having it here would really make no difference. In fact, to be safer here yep. because the building is stronger. Right? It's, a, right. a, it's, it's practically a bunker. So I would just leave the backup right in the server room right next to the servers. It, it'd be much safer there than it would be at my own house. But if I lived really far away or if I was evacuating, now it makes more sense, right? If I was evacuating, I might go and visit some family up in Atlanta, yeah. right? Now I'm, I'm pretty far away. The storm might not even make it there. So it makes sense. I'll take a backup with me and do that. But think about where you're going. You might want to nominate one person and say, look, you are going to be our offsite backup. I want you to take this data and get driving.
1: Right. <laughs> and, and not only that, but how you... Uh... How you actually move the the data as well as far as I've got physical discs, I've put them. What do I put them in? A trash bag, and and take them with me, or do I get a case that's meant for holding a magnetic tape media with a locking mechanism, maybe some waterproof sealant, just in case, yeah, right, fireproof kind of thing. Because you're you might be taking out of an unknown danger zone, but it might be going into an unknown danger zone. You you can't uh, you can't predict that, so you want to keep it as safe as possible while you're transporting as well. It, it down here in Florida, it gets a little warm. So if you were, whatever reason, you're evacuating down into Florida and you threw it in the trunk of your car, well, it gets a little warm here, right? As I said, it might melt that tape. It gets very, very hot inside of vehicles. And we, we've seen it happen where tapes, you like our old cassette tapes or whatever, sit them inside your car, they will warp and distort yep. and melt. Doesn't take much. Uh, no, and you, you could do that to your tapes. You don't want to accidentally destroy it when you're trying to save it.
0: Yeah. So uh, now that starts to become a little bit more of a long term plan. Like if I yeah. wanted to get one of those tape carriers, I don't know that I could. Oh, Amazon oh, Prime. The, yeah, that's, <laughs> they're still shipping stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. They are yeah. still shipping yeah. stuff here. And, I was and wondering why everybody was running out and getting water. I was like, a good Prime. There's water. Yeah, of it. Amazon instance bucks. or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, it all kind of comes down to how much time you have to plan it. Worst case scenario, you chuck them in a the trash bag. Yeah. Worst case. <laughs> that's right? what you got to do. Right.
1: Contingencies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right now the uh the last one that i, I want to mention is physical security because you know physical security for a lot of us like our building here mm-hmm. you know our, our doors are, are locked we've got key cards um somewhere i've got my Little key card uh, to get in the building stuff. during a, a storm like this I, I don't have to worry too much about people getting in the building right well actually you do that during a disaster is usually when you're at the most risk mm-hmm. for physical theft right it, unfortunately Uh, At least here in the United States, for our international viewers, it might be different. But here in the U.S., during disasters like this, we've started seeing a a pattern of uh, malcontent or I don't know what's the right word there. I like say
1: it brings out the worst (laughs) in some people (laughs) because they see opportunity. And maybe they're that kind of person who likes to jump on an opportunity where uh, I say an opportunity. It's for them an opportunity. It's for us a disaster, a tragedy. And they see that as a means of gain. And that's unfortunate, but it
0: is a reality, and we have to prepare for that. Yeah, and you know, like the the window that's behind you, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I know it's hurricane rated. Yeah, I don't know if it's cinder block rated. Yeah, I'm, so, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get out there and test that for you. I'll be happy to. <laughs> so, so, if if you've evacuated your employees and your building is empty, and somebody decides to loot your building, we I have think- a, we have a lot of very expensive equipment in this
1: building, Don. And if anybody were to know, they see our sign. IT Pro TV. Maybe they checked out our website. They live in the area. And then the hurricane comes through and they know we've been evacuated. It's easy yeah. pickings, right?
0: Yeah. Now, uh, usually local law enforcement, National Guard, people mm-hmm. like that will help to, to prevent that. That's what we're seeing in Texas right now yep. with the Hurricane Harvey that, that caused all the flooding. Uh, they are protecting facilities, but it is really the highest point of risk for you as far as your data being stolen. All those times that we talk about, Securing data at rest versus securing data in motion, right? Like you have a website uses SSL, that's great, but when the data is stored on the hard drive, it's unencrypted. So encrypt your disks. And the main reason we say that is somebody might come and steal the disks. Well, for our servers, a lot of times we don't think about that. You're like, well, it's in my server room. It's locked. It's secured.
1: Who, Not like who's some gonna passerby
0: is gonna come by and snatch a drive out and run? Yeah. Right.
1: Plus, hopefully, there's a lock on your server room as well as a lock into the building. Can't maybe maybe even somebody. The, a physical person is there as well, greeting. Oh, you can't go back there until you've been given authorization to go back there. So there's there's layers of defense up to that. So you're right. We don't think of well, you know, what do I need that for? Again, yeah. it's just another
0: layer on the onion. Why not? Is is really the best question? Yep. So if you've only got three days to plan, and mm. physical security is going to be a problem, you need to identify this right. We need to figure out how we want to secure that. And I know some people rely on like off-duty police officers, mm-hmm. that you can hire them and, and have them uh, guard your facilities, but during a disaster, there will be no off-duty police officers. So you might want to call around and look for some local security firms, but if an evacuation order is put in, the local security, forms, firm, local security firms, <laughs> they're covered by that evacuation order also. They, they, right. They're they not emergency responders, they have to leave. So you need to secure those servers, you need to lock things down. Uh, you in our case, we would still have time to encrypt those disks if it were necessary to secure that information. Uh, You'll want to make sure that you do that, that at least your server room is locked, that that stuff is secure. All right. Now let's talk about a couple of other last minute things that we can do to to make sure that we're in good shape. Um, During a disaster, you usually want to plan on power failure, right? The the odds are you're going to lose power. If it's a hurricane, tornado, earthquake—most you know,
1: me, Don. I went to Home Depot and I bought me one of them big
0: old generators. <laughs> I'm just gonna slap it right in there. I'm good to go. All right, so we joke about it, <laughs> yeah. But realistically, there's a Home Depot right there, right across the street. Yeah. I could run over there and buy the biggest generator they have, and I can guarantee you they've got some. Yes, right? they do. <laughs> um, if I know I'm gonna lose power, we've got UPS's, right? Right. But UPS's aren't designed to run for a long time, even the really expensive ones. They're really just for a graceful shutdown. Yeah. Right? They, they give you like a 15-minute window that your equipment can gracefully shut down so you don't lose data, right? Or a 15-minute window so that a generator has time to power on right. and take over. Now, if you plan for this, you've already got a generator hooked up to your building that's being routinely tested every month, and you know they, they mm-hmm. cycle the engine once a week and all that stuff, uh, and you're good. But we're talking about not having a plan. No. So if you decide, okay, well, I know the UPS is only going to go so long. You can extend the life of that UPS by cutting off any non-critical servers, right? When you have a business resumption plan to get back to 100% functionality, you rank your servers. You have a, a, a criticality. criticality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our, our new invented word for the <laughs> week, uh, criticality. And so your mission critical servers have to come back first. And then you've got your mid-tier servers, and then you've got your low priority stuff like archive servers that yeah. you could bring up a month later and nobody would really care uh, as long as you were able to bring them up at some point. So your critical servers, your mission critical stuff, you leave them on. You power off everything else. Right. Every other mid-tier or low priority server, you just shut them down. Yeah, so now they are not sucking power.
1: power and you don't actually need them running. Absolutely. And why, why, why expend the power on those non-critical systems?
0: So now maybe that 15-minute UPS window is 30 minutes, a little bit longer, right? So you eke more life out of that power. But it's not forever, and that's where a generator can come in. Now, if you don't have a generator already, it's too late to get one professionally installed. So that means it's going to be amateur hour, right? (laughs) And when you have it professionally installed, it's nice because they can put it onto a circuit so that you're drawing power off the battery, the battery loses its main power, flips over to generator, and then the battery is now being powered off of the generator. Your servers never reboot. Everything is fine on a professionally installed system. But if you're doing it amateur style, grabbing your own generator, you're not going to be able to have that. So what you're going to do is you're going to have to go to battery. You're going to have to physically unplug the battery from the wall because you don't you, you can't draw power from two sources without frying your equipment yeah, that would so be bad. you'll have to <laughs> unplug your battery and then plug it into the feed coming from the generator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're gonna have to be there to do it. There's none of this, I'm gonna go home where it's safe <laughs> and leave you know you're gonna have to plan to be there for it. Uh, but you can do it. Right. Right. But I do want to throw out a super important word of caution about generators. We see this in Florida every oh, single right. year and it's tragic yep. um, that people don't know how to use them. And generators are typically powered by regular gasoline or diesel, usually diesel. Mm. And they'll buy a generator, they'll wheel it into their home or into their office, they'll fire it up and they'll get power. And then after about 10 or 12 hours, they die. Yeah. Right. Uh, It's an engine, it's a combustion engine. And so it's putting out exhaust, it's putting out carbon monoxide. It's a scentless gas. And it suffocates you. It slowly suffocates mm-hmm. you, and, and you die. So that's not good. No. I mean, in case make sure you, know. <laughs> you buy a carbon monoxide uh, uh,
1: alarm when you buy your generator, because just in case maybe carbon monoxide is seeping in. Obviously, putting it inside the building probably not the best way to go. Right. But if you had to, for whatever reason, try to vent it somehow, and then make sure that that carbon monoxide alarm is there just in case to let you know, hey you're reaching dangerous levels.
0: Yeah, and, and if, you, if you got it professionally installed, it would either be outside or it would be inside with a shroud, uh, you know, a, a tube basically that's yeah. venting the, uh, the mon- carbon monoxide outside. Uh, if you don't do that though, you're in real trouble. So the rule of thumb that I always tell people is just put it outside. Your yeah. generator needs to be outside. You can run power cords through the, the building or, or right. whatever to, to get to where your critical areas are, but it needs to stay outside to be safe. Uh, it is really, really dangerous. It's and just not,
1: well, remember what was the number one priority? the human factor, right? The human life. Make sure that everyone is safe and then make sure your data is safe. So if you're basically introducing something that's dangerous (laughs) to the environment, you're kind of violating rule number one there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So don't don't be afraid of generators. They're really useful, especially in a pinch like this where you might go, we've had it before. We went Mm -hmm. days without power. Uh, And and if that happens, it's nice to have things online, as much equipment as you can. A generator will let you do that. A couple of things to think about with generators. There's... Usually a maximum amount of amps or, or wattage that it can right. put out. So you need to, to look at your equipment. And if you've got the time now, you can figure it out. Like, all right, here's my mission critical servers. What's their draw? You know, what, what right. wattage are they pulling or what voltage? You, you can kind of calculate it a few different ways uh, and figure out what they're drawing. And once you know, you can make sure the generator will cover that. Or you can just go crazy and buy as many generators as you can get <laughs> and <laughs> try and overshoot. Uh, so you can certainly do that. The other thing is the fuel, Right. A generator is going to require diesel or gas to, yeah. to run for a long period of time. I don't know if
1: you know this, Don, but the pumps around here are already bags over them. They're, people are already running out of fuel, and we're quite a few days out. Yeah. So you, you might have a hard time finding fuel for it, or... Go MacGyver and siphon it out of your vehicle, or so <laughs> you know. Start drilling holes in the tank, and uh, hey, we need these servers
0: up and running. I got to sacrifice the car. Yeah, <laughs> something. Uh, you know, there are some that do the uh, biodiesel. Oh yeah, that's uh, true. So You can put the, the some fried, French fry oil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it smells Crisco. like tacos. <laughs> uh, yeah, find the
0: so, find the joy. In it. Yeah, yeah, it smells great. So, <laughs> it um, you know, speaking of fuel, though, if you do buy it ahead of time. A lot of the containers that you buy at the store to mm. contain fuel aren't designed for long-term storage. Mm. So if this is, I got three days, the hurricane's going to be here, you can That's go and fine. buy those yeah. off-the-shelf containers. You can store it, but if this is like a long-term thing, you, you need to be storing it in metal containers, not plastic. Right. The plastic ones do break down over time, so um, you know they're not designed to store large amounts of fuel for a long period right. of time. Uh, diesel fuel also gels after a period of time; That's it fun. starts to solidify. Uh, it can ruin an engine, yeah. but even when it's just sitting there in storage, that can happen. So none of it's really meant to be kept for a long time. Now, we're, we're talking about a short-term emergency here anyway, but what happens after the emergency? Right. Well, what do you do with all that stuff now? <laughs> yeah. You, you need to, to use it. You need to run your generators periodically as part of your test anyway. Right. Uh, so that, that becomes part of your long-term plan. And the nice thing about not having a plan is that the actual emergency helps you to build your plan. It does do right? that. Right? Because you, you look at what you did. Trial by fire kind of You thing, spot right? your mistakes. Yeah and and you say okay now let's build a plan and let's not make these mistakes again right
1: uh, and you yeah. now you have uh, some equipment already in place the as you're building a plan go man those those generators are about they really worked out well now we just need to plan to store them and everything it becomes a part of that and makes it a whole lot easier to transition and have that plan ready for the next time that this thing rolls around
0: you know at the uh, at the insurance company and yeah. I don't know if you ever got involved in this Daniel but every now and then I would request some kind of hardware or software and I'd have to go through the budget process, get it approved. I have to do the business case scenario and all. <laughs> but if there was a hurricane coming, I could get anything approved. Like, <laughs> Except you know, that 42-inch plasma we never got. I had to have that, <laughs> right? But but um, you know, when a disaster is on its way, it's it's much easier to say we need to come off some cash yeah. and, and set up this plan. We need to go and buy that generator, versus just on a, a regular sunny day outside, and I go to the, the boss and say, hey. I need to spend four thousand dollars on a, a building generator and another four thousand on getting it installed. He's gonna laugh you out of his office. Yeah, because <laughs> it, the the danger is distant, right? right. You know, it, it's not gonna happen it's to not us. impending. But but when you've got this <laughs> yeah. map, you know, this and, is happening. Then it becomes much easier for the boss to say, "All right, yeah, let's, let's do that. Here, yeah. you, you want to take my credit card?" <laughs> it's not. Let's fill out a to. No, that's my personal car. Go get this done. <laughs> yeah. So you know, do be careful though, especially if you're doing last minute things to get in there and and shore stuff up, like throwing in a generator or whatever. That you do pay attention to the safety precautions. Some of the equipment is really dangerous. I can't. I can't stress it enough. Like every year, people die from carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's not. a a mystery. It's not a surprise. We know about it. You just need to, to plan for it. Yeah.
1: You just don't want to overlook that fact because the life you save may be your own, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And knowing is half the battle. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. So let's kind of recap what we talked about here. So uh, number one, employee safety, right? right? Come up with a plan for how your employees should be. Do they come into work? Do they stay home? Make a phone list so you can reach out to those employees and make sure everybody's okay, as well as continue Continue to communicate with them. Understand that not everybody's going to have power, so mm. it can be difficult to communicate during a disaster. Uh, number two, prioritize your systems. Right, you need to come up with a, a criticality list. Yeah. Servers that are mission critical that need to stay up or to be the first ones to get restored versus the rest. Right. Number three, offsite backups. Come up with something. Use a, a cloud-based solution if you can. Be careful about the amount of time you have. If you have too much data, it's not going to be able to get up there in time. So use a cloud based solution if you can if you can't plan for a physical offsite backup and take it far from the disaster right? really, you got to move it
1: even if that's just you know what we don't have time to take a backup
0: snatch the drives out of the out of the server yeah if you, and, and take them if you're yeah. resigned to, to shutting down yeah yeah although you do introduce more risk there like failed drives and yeah, other things Yeah, but you could have that you could have but a, you know
1: it's
0: better than nothing yeah better than nothing <laughs> and then uh, lastly plan for physical security right understand that if your building is evacuated You're not there to guard it. Your physical controls are going to become really important. So make sure things are locked. Also, put a little thought into it. What happens if power goes out, right? A lot of physical controls require power. We have magnet locks on a lot of doors here. Some of our doors, we never do the physical lock on them because the magnet locks are there. But if we lose power, well, a generator kicks in. But when the generator runs out of fuel, if we're evacuated, then what happens? Now the magnet locks don't work. They stop working. And anybody could walk up and open that door. So you need to think about that. Secure those doors. Make sure that everything is is protected. Uh, if you can contract with uh, local authorities or somebody to be able to make sure the building stays secure, uh, those are all different things that we can implement. And most of them, you can implement in in under three days. Yeah. You know, in, in a pinch. Um, in a perfect world, though, you'd spend way more than three days getting ready for this. And <laughs> yeah. so use this as a lesson. You know, make sure that you you correct for this after the fact and say we need to spend some time coming up with a business continuity plan and a business resumption plan because otherwise we're going to rely on one of the most important systems, right? A mentor of mine, one of the the lessons he taught me early on was uh, the definition of a disaster. Mm -hmm. And he told me that it's never a true disaster as long as at least one printer is still functioning. (laughs) If at least one printer is still functioning, (laughs) you can still print your resume. That's right. Right, but, <laughs> As you walk out the door. But <laughs> if, if you can't print your resume now, it's a yeah, disaster, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't come to that, but <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so, so be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Daniel, uh, do you have any other thoughts to to throw in before we wrap up?
1: The only other thing I thought of was if you do take backups, you're doing these backup things, don't forget to verify those backups. Run some hash algorithm or something just to make sure. You'd hate to think, ah, I backed up to the cloud or I backed up to some physical media, and we're we're solid, we're safe. The worst happens. You go to implement those backups, and they're corrupt in some way. So just once you do that, don't forget to verify them because that could be a a safety step that you wouldn't want to skip.
0: Yep. And then my, uh, my parting word of wisdom is, again, BRP, BCP, it, it is paperwork. It is bureaucracy. Most people hate yeah. that stuff. But at the end of the day, when you have a disaster, if you've got those plans, it's not a panic moment. No. It's not a freak out moment. You know exactly what you need to do. You know how long it's going to take. You've tested your backups. You know they work. And so now it's just a matter of running through procedures. You stay calm, cool, collective. When people are banging on your and saying, how long until we're back online? You can say, Hey, in my last test, it took two and a half hours for us to get back online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, reach back out to me in two and a half hours. I'll let you know what our progress is. And, and it's just much better. So that's where you want to be in a perfect world. So just keep that in mind. And mm-hmm. most importantly, for whichever disaster you're facing, make sure you stay safe and yeah. you'll get right through it. So. All right. Well, Daniel, I do thank you for joining us well, here. in the studio again, me. And for you out there in TV land, I thank you all for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Stay safe. And we will see you next time.